What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, this is Marcus. I am the student pastor at Savannah Christian's Effingham campus. I wanted to just say thank you for checking out this podcast. If you're a parent of a student in our ministry, you could do us the favor of thinking of another parent that might not know about the existence of this podcast and sharing it with them. And if you're a student in our ministry, you can do the same thing with another student, making sure this gets shared around so that people know that we're making podcasts out of our messages. So, without anything else in the way, how about you enjoy the most recent message from Element at the Effingham campus? All right, we're going to continue our series on evangelism tonight. Evangelism is when someone that follows Jesus, believes in Jesus, shares their faith with someone that does not. And so uh, last week, we did the kind of the big overview thing. This is what evangelism is. This is why evangelism is important. This is what motivates us to do it. This week, we're going to get practical. We're going to dig in. And I thought, what would be a better way to get practical than look at the example of the greatest evangelist that ever lived, who's Paul? The Apostle Paul. So, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to kind of summarize the story. The story is awesome, but again, let me give you a summary of it. The Apostle Paul uh, wasn't Paul from the beginning. He was actually named Saul. And the early church had an enemy just like Jesus did. There was a group of people that didn't like Jesus or what he taught, and so they opposed him. Well, after they had him arrested and killed, Jesus rose again, kind of foiling those plans. And he went up to heaven. That same group still opposed the early church. And they had a group of people, essentially like a Gestapo, a secret police, that went out and did the same things to Christians that they had done to Jesus. That if you were caught practicing Christianity, they would throw you in prison and have you killed. And one of those agents, the baddest man of them all, was named Saul. And he was was a bad, bad man. In fact, he was so bad that Jesus had to show up personally to put a stop to him. Let's encourage each other for just a second. Can we pause here? You, like me, you have things in your life you're not proud of, things that you might refer to as bad things in your own life. But it has never gotten so bad in your life that Jesus had to show up personally to put a stop to it, right? So let's take some encouragement in that. With Saul, it was that bad. Saul's on his way to Damascus. Jesus shows up. And when he shows up, there's a blinding light, literally. Saul is blinded, knocked off his horse. A voice comes from the blinding light. It says, hey, Saul, I'm Jesus. Get up. Because you're going to be my evangelist to the Gentiles so that they can receive the forgiveness of sins and put their faith in me. Now, if Saul hadn't been knocked off his horse already by just the whole blind thing, uh, he would have been knocked off by that statement because Gentile means anyone that's not Jewish. Which means that Jesus just said, Saul, here's your mission. I've got Jerusalem covered. I've got the like one little area of Jerusalem where all the Jews live. I got that covered everywhere else. That's you, man. You've got the rest of the world. And insanely, Saul goes, all right. And he puts his faith in Jesus, he becomes a Christian, and then he starts to tackle trying to tell the entire world about Jesus. He changes his name to Paul, he starts traveling around, and he starts sharing his faith in all sorts of different cities and different countries. And what Paul essentially does is he takes this small, localized movement and makes it global. And considering the fact 
that about 2,000 years later, there are billions of Christians in the world. It is not an exaggeration to say that Paul is one of the most influential men who ever lived because of his evangelism. So, taking all that into account, what does the Bible say about Paul? About this great man, this man who is literally one of the most influential men who has ever lived, one of the, you know, this, this man who's like a hero of the faith, one of the greatest evangelists, evangelists ever. What does the Bible say about Paul, specifically in the area of his evangelism? Well, the Bible says that Paul is nothing. It's nothing. It's literally what the Bible says. Now, stick with me. Because right here, and trying to figure out why the Bible says that about Paul, this thing that the Bible says specifically about the idea of evangelism will not change how convicted you are if you're a follower of Jesus to go out and share your faith, but it may change fundamentally how you share your faith from this moment forward. This is a story. Paul takes the mission, right? He starts traveling around. He goes to different cities. In different cities, he starts sharing his faith. Different people become Christians. And then he kind of organizes them into little churches. And once he's got them into churches, he leaves and goes to a different city and does it again. He's doing this over and over and over again. One of the cities he goes to is a city called Corinth. He converts people into Christians. He sets up a church. He leaves. The guy that comes in after him, his name is Apollos. And Apollos is like the new pastor. He kind of takes over where Paul left off, and the church begins to grow. It seems like a good, healthy thing. Except the Christians in Corinth are kind of immature in their faith. They're really still trying to figure the whole thing out. And so they do something that's really common. They start to connect their Christianity, their faith in Jesus. They start to connect it, not not just with Jesus, but with the people who led them into a relationship with Jesus. And so, so it becomes something like this. Like people are going, all right, get this. I, I was led to Christ by Paul. Paul led me to Jesus. Paul baptized me. Paul is the reason I'm a Christian. So like, I'm OG when it comes to this thing, man. Like, I'm, I'm one of the first Christians ever because Paul was the guy doing it for the first time. And, and other people will look at him and go, well, okay, but Paul hasn't even been here for like years, dude. Have you checked out Apollos? Have you seen the size of his church? Dude, Apollos is the man. Apollos led me to Jesus. Apollos baptized me. Apollos is the reason that I'm a Christian. And in both cases, what's happening is people are actually having arguments because they are connecting the fact that they are believers in Jesus to the work of Paul and the work of Apollos. And when Paul finds out about this, he responds with a vicious subtweet that we call the book of 1 Corinthians. You'll never look at the book of 1 Corinthians the same, but that's what it is. This is what Paul does. He writes back in response to this, and this is what he says. He says in response, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? (laughs) Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned each their task. Paul planted the seed, and Apollos watered it, but only God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. In other words, the Bible says there is that compared to God, whoever it is that led you into a relationship with Jesus, compared to God, they're nothing. Because you can point to the need of a Savior. You can even point at who the Savior is, but only God saves. 
And right here, in this, in this picture, in, in this thing that Paul says, where it actually refers to even Paul, the greatest evangelist that ever lived, that even he is nothing compared to God, this is a moment that can either be depressing or liberating. Depressing goes like this. You look at something like this and you go like, really, I'm, I'm nothing? Well, I guess I can get rid of this whole guilt about not talking to people about Jesus thing because my portion of it is nothing. It's like people are upset that you're not getting enough credit, which is kind of like a, really? See, Paul actually goes on a little bit further, and he says that those of us who follow Jesus, we have everything in the Son of God. They, the God, what he did is he took the punishment we deserved, and he took that away, and then he gave us eternal life in the presence of God in a perfect place with complete happiness forever. And then you're going to get bent out of shape because you're not getting enough credit See, Paul, Paul's not writing that because he's complaining. Dude, dude, Paul embraces his role as a planner, and he says, yeah, I'm going to be rewarded for this. He's just saying, in comparison to God, my role in people coming into a relationship with Jesus is nothing, not compared to Jesus himself, not compared to God. But Paul's not complaining about that. He embraces it. In fact, Paul finds freedom in this. Okay, because on the one side, that depressing, but here's the liberating part. Think about this. If our role is just to plant, only God makes it grow, only God saves, then that means the things that normally freak us out about evangelism, well, they don't freak us out as much anymore. Because here's, all right, so here's the main things that I usually get when it comes to people saying, this is why I'm like, I'm freaked out by the idea of talking about my faith with other people. The first one is usually like rejection. But what if I get rejected? Like what if they reject me? What if I go to try to tell people about my faith and they go, you're stupid, dude. That's naive, you know? What if, what if I get rejected? Well, okay. Because in the midst of rejection, you can still plant. As long as you said, you're, spoke your faith in love and then received the rejection with grace, you're still planting, even in the midst of rejection. Here's the second thing I usually hear. The second thing I usually hear is like, what if they ask me like a really tough question, you know? Like a question I don't know the answer to. Okay? Because you can still plant Whoa. and water. <laughs> uh, you can still plant in the midst of that. Because listen, just because your answer to the really tough question is, I don't know, doesn't mean that you speaking about what God has done in your own life isn't planting seeds. You're still planting. Here's the other thing I usually get. Well, I don't feel like I have like a cool, like a good enough like story, you know? Like, you know, oh, if only I had done more meth, <laughs> then I would have like a really cool story, you know? God gave me back my teeth, and then I, I was saved. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> Thank you, Lyle. Uh, listen, you don't need a cool story because you just plant. That's your role. You just plant. You don't, you don't have to have some incredible story. You don't have to have all the answers. It's nice to have the answers. But you don't need that. When I said we're going to get into practical stuff tonight, what, this, what I want you to understand tonight is we talk about practical steps of evangelism, practical steps of trying to lead people into a relationship with Jesus. 
When, when I said that, many of y'all were like, oh, all right, cool, man. Mark is going to tell us like stuff to say. Maybe it'll be like really catchy. Maybe it'll rhyme. Could it rhyme? Are you going to give us stuff that we can, so we can hand it all out? Or, or are you going to show me how to like draw something to like really make it like impactful, you know? But if God is the only one that makes it grow, and Jesus is the only one that saves, then the most practical thing you could ever do when it comes to sharing your faith is pray. That's the most practical thing you could ever do when it comes to telling people about Jesus. And you could pray about three things. First, pray for compassion. We talked last week that just because you know you're commanded to do something doesn't mean you're actually motivated to do it. Compassion is what motivates us to tell people about Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. We talked about last week that when you look at your own life and you say, man, before Jesus I didn't have these things, but now I have joy or I have peace or I have comfort or I have courage or I have purpose or whatever you would say that you have now because of your relationship with Jesus, that is what the Bible would call the light of life. And it was never meant to be just something just for you. It's always meant to be shared. And so pray and ask God for compassion because you need compassion for people to be able to say, this thing I have in Jesus, I want them to have it too. So pray that God would give you compassion. And then pray that God would give you opportunities. Listen, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I walk into a situation with a friend or something like that, and I'm like, I'm supposed to tell them about Jesus, but I, I just feel the whole time like I would be forcing it. Like, I'd be forcing it in the conversation, you know, March Madness is coming up or whatever, and, like, you know, you and your boys, all you talk about is, is sports. Like, so, someone's, someone's going, uh, man, did you, did you see that incredible shot? And you'd be like, it's incredible, but not as incredible as my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know? Right? <laughs> Mic drop, Christians. All right, no. All right, listen. You're a weirdo. Don't do that, right? That's weird. You're forcing it. And so, so what you need is you need opportunities. That guy that you normally only talk to about sports, what you need is you need something, an opportunity where, where all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, they, they finally open up about the fact that their parents are, or have gotten a divorce or they start talking about their girlfriend that dumped them. And, and then there's your shot. There's where all of a sudden it makes sense to start talking about what Jesus has done in your life. You need opportunities, so pray that God would give you an opportunity. The best part about that is that when you pray and ask God for opportunities, well, that means it's more likely that you will actually be looking for them when they happen. Because otherwise, sometimes the opportunities present themselves and we just like walk right by them, you know? So pray for compassion, pray for opportunity, and then pray for salvation. Ask God for salvation. Ask that the seeds that you are planting, the seeds that other people around this person are planting as well, that God would make them grow. I, um, I've been doing this for six years now. For six years, I've been sharing the good news about Jesus to students pretty much every single week. Multiple times a week, really. And in the midst of that, like I, I will say again and again and again, that our sin separates us from God, but God, because of His love and His mercy, took that sin from us and, and put it on His Son so that Jesus could take the punishment we deserved so that we could receive the reward that Jesus deserved. That, that's the good news. That's the gospel. That's the truth, that if you believe that, that is what it, you believe to become a follower of Jesus, to accept Jesus' you know, uh, sacrifice for yourself. I mean, that, I mean that's it. 
I've been praying, I've been teaching that, preaching that for six years, and yet, I'll, I'll say this, man, no matter what, I, I can never, like, like predict when God is going to have that, like, breakthrough with somebody. Because there are times where, like, like, I feel like I'm on fire, like I've got a live current running through my body, like, like words are flowing like magic, you know, and I'm going, man, this is awesome, and then nothing happens. Like, no, like, not, like nothing at all, like there's no, there's no growth, there's no blooming, you know, like God hasn't done any of that kind of stuff, but then there are times I'll stand up here, and I know I'm not prepared, and I feel like I limp my way through and I stutter and mutter and mumble and I make bad jokes that don't land. That actually happens more often than not. But at the end of this kind of lesson, then all of a sudden someone will come up to me and be like, it finally all makes sense. That, that's because, that's because we just plant. That's our role. It's God. It's God who finds a way to break through the walls. It's God that finds a way to make it through a hard heart. It's, it's, God, it's God who makes it through past or over or around the big questions, the, the guilt, the shame, the pride, the whatever's there. It's God that makes it grow. So those of us in this room who are desperate that our friends would find in Jesus what we have found, we must pray We have to pray. We have to make that part of of what we do on behalf of other people. And we have to pray over and over and over again for the the days, the weeks, the months, potentially the years that it might take for God to finally have that kind of breakthrough and and, and make make it grow. Because prayer is the most practical thing you could do, the most powerful thing you could do when it comes to trying to lead somebody into a relationship with Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity tonight. This is one of those things that, like, you know, you could walk out and be passionate about it for today or for a week or for a month, but we want to put it before your heads and before your hearts for a long time, even a long time to come. And so up here on on your right and your your left, there are these stands that have plexiglass and these rectangles. And in baskets underneath it, there's baskets with paint markers on them. We want to give you an opportunity tonight to take some time to walk up to these two stations and write a name on that plexiglass. And when you write that name, what you're doing, what, you want, what we want you to do is we want you to write the name of a friend that you want God to use you to plant that seed and to pray for that person consistently going forward that they would find a relationship with Jesus. And, and our hope is, is, that, is that when you do that, that you will be taking seriously that there's a commitment connected with that, that when you write that name, that writing that name is, is just a practical way of showing the fact that you are asking God for compassion for that person, that you're asking God for opportunities with that person, that you're asking God that he will take the seeds that you plant and make them grow. But we don't want it to just be something that happens tonight. We're going to take these and we're going to mount them up in that prayer wall area, on that blank wall that's there now. We're going to mount these things up there and the paint markers are going to be there every Wednesday for, for as long, you know, for, for months, maybe years. And we're going to leave the paint markers there because we want you to keep going back every time you come in this building. Maybe it's not even for Element. Maybe it's on weekend services. Maybe it's when we have it open on Mondays or Thursdays. I don't know. But you would come into this room, you'd take a paint marker, and you'd circle that name. And every time you circle that name, you're saying, God, give me compassion for this person. 
Give me opportunities with this person. And make these seeds grow. Save this friend of mine. For some of you, you'll put a circle and God will do something amazing. For some of you, you might put hundreds of circles before God shows up. But God is the only one who makes it grow. He's the only one that saves. So the most powerful role you could ever have in that is to pray for that friend of yours. And we hope this will be a reminder. One last thing about this, and then, and then I'll, I'll stop and give you a shot to come up and write those names. Some of you in this room, like right now, when we break and we say, go ahead and write those names, there are going to be students that walk up there and write your name on that plexiglass. Because you have students in this room that love you and want you to experience in Christ, in Jesus Christ, what they have found. But maybe, maybe one of the most powerful things that could happen tonight is that when you walk up there, you don't write someone else's name. Maybe some of you in this room need to put your own name on those boards. Maybe you recognize the fact that you just have hesitations, you've got questions, you've just got stuff going on that for some reason it's not connecting, but you, you wish it would. You wish you had what you saw in your friends around you. You wish you had what you saw in your parents or a sibling or, or who knows. You, just, you want that for yourself, but it's not happening yet or hasn't happened yet. Maybe, maybe you should put your own name up there and ask that God would break down those walls, bust through those barriers, answer those questions that you would find that peace and that joy in Jesus of course the most powerful thing that could happen is you don't bother writing your name on the board you just decide this night's the night that tonight's the night you, may, you decide that this is the night that God breaks through this is the night I, I set this other craft aside and, and, and make that decision, that choice, that step of faith of saying that you know that you need Jesus. Tonight's the night that he does it. If that's the case, I'm going to be right over there tonight. And if I could talk to you about that, if I could help you in some way, I would like to. Maybe during this time while people are writing names, while people are taking communion, while we're worshiping. If you want to talk about that, I'll be right over there. Let me pray for us. Father, you, you make it grow. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I prayed with, like this with, with our leaders earlier tonight, Father, but you know this. You know that there have been times in my life where, where I've been tempted to give credit to my parents to give credit to this church, to give credit to Dave Allgaier or my friends in the youth group uh, like, like Reed and Emily that I've been tempted to say they're the ones, they're the reason I'm saved. But God, I recognize because of your word that they were just your servants. They just planted. But you're the one, Father, ultimately that, that got this past my barriers, that got this past my excuses, that got this past my pride, 
and got me to a place where I said, where I knew, where I believed that I was a sinner in need of a Savior, that my only shot of being with you, that God loves me, was to accept Jesus taking the punishment for me. So, Father, I thank you that you did that. I thank you that in me, you made those seeds grow. I thank you that you've done that. And so many of the students in this room who maybe connect their stuff to their grandparents or their friends or their parents, maybe even to this ministry, maybe they say it's element, maybe maybe they, God forbid, maybe they say me or a small group leader or something like that. God, may they see, may they see that everything good, that the light of life in their life is because of you, that you You are the great source of their salvation, nobody else. I pray tonight that that we would just be moved, that we would be motivated, that we would would see in this a need to come before your throne. And as we look at the people around us that we have compassion for, that we say, man, they need Jesus just like I need Jesus. That we would realize the the best thing we could possibly do is lay them before you and say, God, please, God, please make the seeds grow. Give me those opportunities. Give me that compassion. But you, Father, you've got to show up. You've got to show up in, in, the na- in the life of my friend. Well, Father, may tonight be the kind of night where that, that, that sense just grabs us, grabs us by our hearts, grabs us by our souls, so that tonight as we approach these stations and write these names, there is a commitment in that. You will keep bringing these people before you because we recognize that they need you. I pray, Father, that there could be people in this room that we're going to write their names down on these boards because we love them. We know that they need Jesus. May they see that in themselves. May they see that need. May they go to you to find joy and salvation in your son. God, you can make that happen. In fact, you're the only one that can make that happen. So we pray that you would be powerful in this place, in this time. God, use us. Use us reach people and we will give you all the glory because you deserve it. I pray all these things. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Take your time when you're ready. Come up, write a name on the board, take communion, and then we'll worship after that. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.